talk dirty to me. The Quick and the Dirty with Hillary and Sandra. You're kidding me. You're things that I have put in my mouth. Uh, oh my God, Hillary. <laughs> it's what everyone is talking about. Get jazzy on. I'm Hillary from London. I'm Sandra from Ottawa, and this is the Quick and the Dirty podcast. It's basically what you talk about with your friends, except we record it and post it online so you all can laugh at us. That's right. It's all there for you to see in ink every single week. So be it. And we do have some pretty amazing guests. This week, we're going to talk about donating organs. Yeah, that's right. Um, and and not, not the bad ones, the good ones. Uh, kidney transplant specifically. And, and we're talking about this because of the whole Selena Gomez kidney transplant story. Uh, today, we are going to talk to two friends who have shared a beautiful gift between them. So I'm really excited to talk to them later on. Absolutely. But we got to get to the quick first. Sandra, this is going to be my very first holiday get together with uh, my boyfriend's family. And it's a little bit complicated. Uh, a little bit complicated. Um, you were just recently introduced to the children. Right. That right? was in the summer. Yeah. Okay. So who's next? So I have met his parents before, I, briefly, okay. on his moving day. But it was literally like, oh, hey, um, uh, hi, I'm sweaty and don't talk to me. And then they left. <laughs> so I don't think I made a particularly great impression. <laughs> the first but, time I met them, I basically ignored them and just did work. Really? Yeah, I, I got nervous and I, I was sweaty and disgusting. I didn't want to get too close because I might have smelled. <laughs> so when you when you say you're going to get together with the family for Thanksgiving, it's just mom and dad, uh, your boyfriend and the kids? Well, no, it's his mom and dad. Well, and his dad's new wife. Well, oh, not hey. new wife. Hey. His stepmother. Oh. It's his stepsister, stepbrother, their kids, his brother, their kids, my boyfriend, and his kids. It's oh. like a giant affair. <laughs> and the only people you know are the parents. I've met them. I, I, I've met little pieces of his family, but just briefly. But the biggest issue is we've never spent any significant time together. So, so I haven't been able to make much of an impression. And it's Thanksgiving, and there's no booze. What do you mean there's no booze? They are a dry family. God, no. Uh, what? So even if I embarrass myself, I don't have the luxury of blaming it on alcohol. Okay. What when you say they're a dry I have to ask, is this a religious thing or just they're just uh, a dry family? I a little bit of both. Like I think that they both uh, my boyfriend's stepmom and father have decided to remove alcohol and I'm I'm sure some of it has to do with their religion. They're Baptist, so they're pretty religious and Well, that's a red flag. <laughs> <laughs> if I've ever heard one, not the religion part, the actual part, part about them not having alcohol. So yeah. as, so out of respect, nobody else is bringing booze or having booze, basically. Right. Absolutely. And then to make things worse. So my boyfriend's mother will also be there. I don't know how they managed to do this. So my boyfriend's mother, who used to be, of course, married to... Uh, to his father, which makes sense. That's how families work. Uh, they split up because his father is now with his wife. Well, so and everybody gets together for Thanksgiving like it's no big deal. OK, so wait a second. Let's just can I just go back for a second? 
the father was married to the mother, obviously. He yep. had an affair with the stepmother? I don't know if they had an affair. Okay, because like, that's the, what I thought you meant. No, no, no. They just, their relationship ended and, uh, you know, this new one exists. Right. And uh, I just don't know how to navigate those politics. Like, my parents have been trying to get divorced for 40 years. <laughs> And yet they're still together. So, of course, you got to bring a hostess gift. I can't bring booze. So no. what do I bring? I'm going to bring flowers. Now, do I have to bring flowers to his actual mother as well? Like, is she going to get mad that I brought a gift? No, Nothing for her? You're going to have to bring two gifts. That's the only way to do it. Honestly, Hillary, you're trying to... Imp- it's not just Thanksgiving for the person who's hosting the dinner, which is always nice. But if you just want to make your life easy, give it to the mom, too. Yeah, but and the, way the person who's it- hosting is going to be like, bitch, please. I'm the one doing the work. Why are you like, <laughs> Why is she making a big deal out of his mom? I know. See, for me, if I was... who's You're the newest person in the family, not the stepmom. Right. Okay, because I was going to say, if I was a stepmom, no, I'd be the one working No, they've been together for hard. like 30 years. They, it's oh. been a long time. Okay, because I thought for a second there, she was new to the family. She would be the one who was trying to impress, and you could like fly under the radar. <laughs> no, which I'm is not what that you lucky. Do. She's okay. like well-established, and everybody seems to be okay, but I don't know if I'm okay. Okay. <laughs> Oh, you're definitely not okay. 100% you're not okay. Here's what you need to do. I need you to go to the LCBO, okay? Okay. <laughs> you know when you go to the cash, right, at checkout, they have those little minis? Yeah. Okay, get 20 of those and then put them in your purse. And then every time you go to the bathroom, you bring your little clinky, clinky, clinky purse with you and you take a shot. Can you do that for me, Hillary? Can you? You just want to drink vicariously through but me. Yes. <laughs> uh, this whole situation makes me nervous. Very it ner- is like- really nerve-wracking. I think I found a way around the gifts, though. So uh, my boyfriend's mom is celebrating a birthday in a couple of weeks. So they're going to be birthday flowers Aww. and hostess flowers. That's so nice. Yeah. And then maybe I'll be able to, like, scooch under the radar. Because I really want to make a good impression. They are right. all very kind and even though I don't generally make an amazing impression, you know? And I just, there are so many things I'm stressed out about. So every time we get together with my boyfriend's kids, they ask us, hey, Hillary, if my dad asked you to marry him, would you say yes? And I just like, I don't want anybody to witness this. (laughs) Because my immediate response usually wants to be, well, he has to get a divorce first. Oh, boy. I don't do that in front of the kids, clearly. No, that's right. But it's going to be a really awkward moment. Right. How long can you go without being a bitch? <laughs> Seriously, how long can you go? Because you're going to be, you're going to be in a room with all these strangers. You know when the pressure's on? Uh, you get bitchy. Uh, not you, but people, right? It's a long time to be on your best behavior. How long do you are in and out? How long are you going to be there for? I think they hang around for a while. Like, we're talking six hours. Jesus All Christ, I know is Hillary. I think you're right. I'm going to have to pack snacks yes. in case dinner gets served late. You don't want the blood sugar dipping. That's right. Snacks and alcohol. <laughs> Maybe oh some God. sort of muscle relaxant. <laughs> Do not take a muscle relaxant. Do not take a muscle relaxant. And that I'm going to save that story for another podcast. The time I took a muscle relaxant and shit my pants. That is for a totally other podcast. But then I can just blame it on her cooking and then she'll feel bad. (laughs) Just turn turn the tables completely. She's like, oh my gosh. And then I'm the innocent party. Yes. You're going to be fine, Hillary. I've always said what's not to love. Uh, Just don't be yourself. (laughs) 
have to be yourself. But you just love that I'm such a disaster that I make you look good. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. This story drives me to want to drink, honestly. (laughs) But you can't. So what? Is that your quick this week? Is that you're still not drinking? Yeah. I, 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 I have nothing left to talk about except for the fact that I haven't had alcohol for almost three weeks now. It's part of my seven-week booze hiatus. I thought it wasn't going to be a big deal. And we've talked about my relationship with alcohol in the past, how I have a very good one uh, with alcohol. And I didn't I didn't honestly think it was a big deal. But come Saturday night, 6 o'clock, after a long day of shopping, cleaning, all the things that I do in my life, I want like to sit down with a glass of wine. And I feel like I'm really suffering. And I've been bitchy. Uh, and I'm also on a diet. So well, that's I just, probably why you're bitchy. Nah, I think it's a combination of all of things. And the worst part is I was at a party on Saturday night. It was this engagement party. And you know when you walk in, there's like a table full of booze. Right. Um, the first thing I did was I got a drink of Perrier. And everybody who was there knows me. And they were all watching me to catch me because nobody believes that I could actually do this. Really? So why, that, would, why are people so mean? Like, I don't know why. you do decide you don't want to continue, like... I guess that's the problem. You say it out loud and people yep. are mean. Now I have to do it or I'm like, ha ha, I'll get the ha ha. You couldn't do it. So now I'm like, God damn it. Now I have to do it. And I you're can't go just to the LCBO. stubborn enough. Too, to like, I know. Too many people know me at the LCBO. So I can't, I wouldn't dare even show my face there. And too many listeners of my radio show see me. And they'll, if they see me, God forbid, they see me with wine. I mean, it'll be humiliation. So now I have like the, the, the liquor police all around me. And by the way, when I was at that party, they put a glass of champagne in my hand for the toast. I saw specifically one guy at the party look at me and then his eyebrows furrowed like, that bitch is going to take a drink of it. I know it. <laughs> Do you think it's in your head a little bit? Like no, it's not Hillary. really happening? Because <laughs> I feel like you're just paranoid enough. Like you're like, son of a bitch. Everywhere I go, the people from the LCBO are following me. <laughs> <laughs> They're everywhere, Hillary. I know You know it. what you what? should do? Drink is... rubbing alcohol? What? No. You should... Put together a celebration of November being over. I call it November because you can't drink in November. That's, it is November, uh, yeah. <laughs> once November's over, throw a big party and everybody has to buy you drinks because you didn't drink for so long. I like that. <laughs> it's a like a idea. reward for your good work. That's a good work. And then, and then that's where the real problems begin, right? Well, we are going to uh, Nashville like the first week of December. I've timed it. I've timed it so I can drink copious amounts of alcohol in Nashville. I just want everybody to pray for me, but I'm sober, which means I'm not going to be much fun for the next five weeks. Just saying. (laughs) It's not easy when everybody around you is also drinking. Like I had hoped to give up booze entirely uh, in solidarity. And then I had to go to a work event and I was like, no, (laughs) no, (laughs) screw you. Uh, I allow myself one glass of wine on the weekend. That's good. That's very selfless of you, Hillary. <laughs> well, one glass of wine turned into four last weekend, well, but we don't have to is. talk about that. You know what? We what we uh, that actually takes me really nicely into the dirty because this week's dirty really is about the most selfless thing that you could ever imagine doing. And for you, it's drink not drinking in solidarity, which you couldn't even do, by the way. <laughs> Sorry, bitch. That's right. <laughs> so a couple of weeks ago, Selena Gomez made that shocking announcement that she had a kidney transplant. It was such a surprise. And it told us, uh, she told us that it was her friend that donated the kidney. Today, we're going to talk to two women who share a special bond. One of them is a kidney donor. The other lady is her recipient. And their story is pretty incredible. These two women 
them, and I did a count, have two kidneys between them. <laughs> I thought it was three, but they've actually, they've each got a kidney. Uh, please welcome to the Quick and the Dirty podcast, Bonnie and Sue. Hello. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you. Bonnie, Sue, it's so great to have you here. Uh, first of all, uh, Bonnie, uh, wow. Good on you. Thanks. <laughs> wow. I just, I, I don't know that I could. I don't know. I think everyone everyone has the ability, but uh, you know that's see Hillary and I are both bad people. Please just understand that from the get go. But <laughs> Hillary, you Truth. can't see Bonnie's face because they're both here in the Ottawa studio with me. Bonnie, you look like no biggie. This is not a big deal to give somebody a kidney. But when I heard that story, when Hillary heard that story, it was mind boggling. So it was just a no brainer for you. Yeah, when I heard Sue needed a kidney, it just. And I knew that I could do it. I just felt like I could do it. Yeah, it was a no-brainer. All right, so let's get into the backstory. Yes. Sue, why did you need a kidney? Well, first of all, just let me say that Bonnie and I were neighbors on the same street, and we went to high school together. But we really didn't talk to each other, not because we were rude, but it was just that her kids were into sailing and my kids were into soccer. So we would pass at the mailbox, and we'd say hello and yada, yada, yada. So anyway... That was just a point to say that we really weren't close at the time. Right. So your relationship is that you're just neighbors. You happen to live yeah. on the same street. You kind of know each other, but you're not really tight friends. Right. Got it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. All right. So anyway, um, sorry, what was the question? <laughs> why, why did you need a kidney? <laughs> okay. Um, first of all, my mom had issues uh, when she was younger. She was born with one kidney, and the other one became infected. So she ended up on dialysis. Okay. Um, I watched my mom go through dialysis for many, many years. This was like 35 years ago, 40 years ago. She was so ill. It was terrible to see her. Um, her quality of life was terrible. She spent three days at the hospital on, on hemodialysis. When she came home on the bus, because she didn't drive, she was just a vegetable. Like there was, It was really sad to see her. Three days a week she would be on dialysis, yeah, and then for, she'd have to take the bus home after that? Yeah. Oh, my God. So, and, and half the time she'd fall asleep and miss her stop because she's so tired after it. Anyway, um, <clears throat> I was having issues. I was waking up during the night going to the bathroom, and I could tell I wasn't the actual right quantity that I was letting out, and the color was wrong and all that. So I went to my doctor, and I said, there's something going on with me. And I was tired all the time, and they did a urine test and a blood test, and they went, okay, your creatinine is like 900. And it's only supposed to be like 100, 150. And I went, what? So they said, we're going to send you to the Riverside, to the uh, fifth floor, the renal unit, and you're going to see this doctor, and he's going to find out what's going on. So with the way the, medicine, the health situation is, it takes forever to get in. Yeah. So when I finally got there, um, it was about three months after I was with my GP, um, they did it again, and it was like up to 13. Wow. And, yeah, and I went, what is going on? So they said, oh, you, I think you're heading down the road to kidney failure. Well, all I could think about was what my mom went through a number of years ago, and um, I thought, no way, not me. I can't do it. And they said, well, we're going to try and do something. We're going to try to figure out what's causing it. So long story short it was my parathyroid in my neck that makes your calcium in your body 
And it was making too much calcium. It was going 24-7. So the calcium had nowhere to go. So it went to my uh, kidney, both kidneys, and it turned them to stone over time. So that's why they stopped functioning. So in the long run, they said, your kidneys are no good, and you have to go on dialysis. And I thought, I can't. I can't do it. And they said, well, if you don't do it, you'll die. And I still had my family, and I thought, okay, well, I've got to do what I've got to do to survive. And I was devastated. So when I finally decided that my body was shutting down and I was just feeling terrible and sick all the time, I said, okay, well, I'll do it. Just like your mom. Just like my mom. I wasn't sick, but it was like, this is no way to live. (laughs) And I I didn't drive at the time, so my husband had to bring me down, and he waited in the waiting room for four hours or six hours, whatever I was. Mm-hmm. How did you go from this dialysis process into the transplant process? Well, then I did that for a year. I did the home dialysis at home for a year. And um, I was, uh, we were having a birthday party for uh, my husband. And uh, he was out on the front lawn at the house. And he was saying goodbye to his guests. And Bonnie was going by. And he said, she said, hi, how are you doing? Happy birthday. And she said, what's new? And she said, well, Sue's on uh, dialysis. And Bonnie came in and said, what do you mean she's on dialysis? He said, well, she's got kidney failure. And she said, he said, or she said, what can I do to help? And he said, well, go in the house. She's in the house. So Bonnie came running in and she goes, what the hell? What can I do? And I said, well, if you got an extra kidney. <laughs> and she goes, yeah, you only need one, right? I said, yeah. She goes, okay, what do I have to do? So I gave her the um, transplant coordinator's card, um, and I gave it to her, and I said, there you go, (laughs) call this lady. And honestly, I thought, that was probably just a conversation. Yeah. You know, I didn't Bonnie's all talk, that Bonnie. (laughs) Had you explored (laughs) transplant before, or were you just doing dialysis and seeing kind of how that would go? I never thought about a transplant because... My mom had had several transplants years ago, and they all failed. And that was the reason she passed away. The, she had a dead donor um, kidney, and the um, the kidney gave up after 10 years. Dead donor uh, kidneys don't last as long as live donors. And when she her kidney failed, she said they, they told her she'd have to go back on dialysis. And she said, no, I'm not going back. And they said, things have changed. The medication is better. It's much easier on your body. And she said, no. She was at West at the time, and I got a call from her, and she said, Sue, I'm not going back on dialysis, and you know what that means. I don't understand. See, when you said that you waited to the last possible minute to go on dialysis, at that moment, with what you knew with your mother and everything, what was your option? To die? Would you exactly. actually, were you actually considering just saying, ah, I'll just, I'll just go? Really? No, I wasn't. No, I was devastated. Yeah. I was scared to death. The nurses were so good. I mean, they did a lot of um, counseling with me because I thought, I can't do it. I can't do it. And they said, yes, you can. And they were, as I say, they were excellent. They were outstanding. And that's what got me through it. And I had a very good support system for my husband and, um, and, and the three girls. 
And it was like, okay, I have to do this. And you do what you have to do. So I thought my impression about the whole donor system, and I know we can all sign our organ donation cards at the back of our, um, our li- is it their license now or the, uh, the health cards? No, I think you have to go online, don't you, and sign up? Yeah, there's a process where you could do that. So I always thought there's a registry, and when your name goes into the registry, you have to wait your turn for uh, a donor. Does it, it's so, but, but you solicited your own private donor, which is pretty smart and awesome. And, and, and Bonnie, you, you just, were you serious? Were you just talking shit that day when you walked in (laughs) and you were like, yeah, I'll give you a kidney, whatever. Like, what was, what was your thought process? How was this a no brainer? Cause I'm attached to my kidneys and most of my organs as well. Well, that's. Sandra, that has something to do with the fact that you abuse yours most of the time. <laughs> That's very true. I'm not going to. You certainly can't have my liver, nor, nor does anyone want it. <laughs> well, I remember that when I was talking to Sue, and she had said that they had recommended she ask all her friends and family for a li- um, to donate. Because yes. a living donor would be the best option for her. And I remember in our conversation, Sue said, How do you say that to people? How do you say to people, you know, um, do you have an extra kidney to donate? <laughs> <laughs> do you get them drunk first and then go in with the question? Like, how do you do it? I know. And Sue had said that she had actually asked or talked to a few people and a few people had said that they, you know, would consider it and then didn't end up going through. And when I, I asked Sue, well, what's the criteria? And she said, well, you have to be in shape. You have to be on no medication and you have to have excellent blood pressure. Because apparently when you donate a kidney, your blood pressure goes up right away. So I thought to myself, you know what, I'm in good shape at that time. I mean, it was eight, nine years ago. So at that time I was running. I was in good shape. I was on no medication, had great blood pressure. And I thought, you know what, I can do this. Like this is, you know, you only need one kidney. This is something I could do. So when Sue gave me the phone number, I called. And what they do is they send you out a kit, um, you know, of information to read. So I read through all the information, still not making my decision 100% because I didn't know what it entailed. And when I read through the information, I thought, you know what, this sounds easy. I mean, yes, it's an operation, but I knew in my, I'm really, I rarely get sick. I recover from things very quickly, so I knew it would be easy. Um, Now, I'm married. I had two children, so I still had to have the conversation with my husband and my kids because, you know, I couldn't make that decision without oh by the way <laughs> so well, yeah because yeah. you're going to be out of commission for a while right yeah apparently i mean i could be out of commission for up to three months so um i had the conversation with my husband he read the literature so i i said just read the literature before you you know before we talk about it so we read the literature and he came back to me afterwards and he said yeah you know what like this sounds like a no-brainer okay both my kids are away in university and i sent them the literature And um, they read it and came back and said, you know, they agreed that it sounded like a good idea. And the one thing I said to my kids was, for me, I mean, Sue was married. She had three children. She none of her kids were married. They were all still at home. And, you know, I knew this was something that I could do for her. I'm I'm a parent and I would want someone to do it for me to give her an opportunity to have a, you know, a longer relationship with her kids. And both my kids agreed. So we thought, okay, let's go for it. Do you also have to be a blood match? Yes, you do have to be. a. But there is, like, I'm O positive, and O positive can donate to different types of, uh, what's your blood type, Sue? I think it's O negative. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
but the, close but, enough. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It worked. Who the hell cared? It worked. <laughs> That's right. But they do. They they can do it with technology. They know now how yeah. to get the match. I mean, if you're way off, then they're going to say no, sorry. But they were managed to work. Thank God they were able to get Bonnie to. to how match come with no me. one in your family, Sue, donated a kidney? They wanted to, and I said no. Um, well, you also, yeah, they can't don't If you have a history of kidney disease in your family, they're not going to take from. Well, right, but I'm family. talking about the husband's side. Yeah. Well, first of all, I didn't. I wouldn't want anybody at the time to go through what I went through. And I thought if if my ex had, sorry, my husband had given me um, his kidney and that had happened to him, I couldn't see myself having him go through what I went. Through. Same boat where your kids are concerned. Yeah. Yeah. So that was not an option. My sister uh, lived down in Vancouver, and of course, she could have issues too with her kidneys. Although she doesn't, but see, because for me, I would. I know where Hillary's going with this, because now you can at thanks at your Thanksgiving dinner, you could say, "Here is for you, the one who yeah. didn't give me a kidney, and here's some mashed potatoes <laughs> well, for you. You didn't that, give me a kidney like, either. <laughs> it's okay, no. and I don't mean to be rude about it, but I would feel no. more guilty asking somebody who is a relative stranger to make a life-altering decision that they could potentially need their other kidney versus somebody who oh. already has that built-in love. Absolutely, and and that bothered me for the longest time. Well, I think you go through some counseling for that too don't you did you no no you don't know no but uh, consider this podcast your counseling let's get into it ladies (laughs) (laughs) no for the longest time i i did go through a lot of guilt like if something happens to bonnie god forbid and she loses the kidney that she has i don't know how i can how i'm going to be able to handle that um i guess i was selfish at the moment at the time when she said she would do it for me it was just like, thank God, because I don't want to do this anymore. Well, you know, even at the moment when I, I, when I yeah. thought, you know, I can do this, and actually I had talked to my husband and kids, and, yeah, I was going to do it. Then I went back to Sue and said, I wasn't even sure if Sue wanted to get me. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe she like, was just talking pre- shit that I day. I know. It's a little presumptuous of me to assume that, ah, she's going to want my kidney. So I went back to her and asked, like, All right, do you want to do this? Because I didn't know what the, you know, no. the etiquette was around it, so... Uh, nor I. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, when I will say that when I was in the hospital, when we had the transplant, I was I, I was losing the kidney. And things were not working, and they kept giving me more drugs. And I said to Bonnie afterwards, Bonnie, like, if that had failed, I don't know what I would have done. And she said, Sue, if it had failed, it's nobody's fault. We did our best. Yeah. And I'm not going to hold it against you if it doesn't work out. And I thought, holy shit. Like, I'm not going to punch you in your good kidney. No. Yeah, because yeah, it, it was mine. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but, I mean, actually, through the whole process, I mean, it was about a year, I think, eh, when we first decided, because it was the following summer when we finally went through it. Yeah. And originally, when, uh, when um, I contacted, I read all the, the literature and stuff and said, yes, this is a go, I want to do it. Um, and then they had to do a blood testing, that worked out. And then when I went in to see the transplant team, um, uh, they said, oh, you're overweight. You're not a good candidate. Uh Mm Uh-oh. You're going to have to lose weight. I'm like, okay, well, you know, if it's that easy, um, then, you know, I can do this. Of course, you know, I can't lose weight normally. I can't be really good at losing weight normally, let alone, you know, a life-threatening so I sort of put it in the back burner. And then they called me a couple months later and said, are you still interested? And I said, well, I am. But they said, you know, I weigh too much. 
And um, the nurse at the time said, come in and let's run all the testing and see. So when I went in and they did all the testing, like you do the MRI and this, the CT scan and, you know, all the blood work and all kinds of stuff, they realized that even though I was, my BMI was high um, and my weight number was high, everything else was perfect. Like I was in excellent shape. Although, you know, the BMI number was not where they wanted it to be. And they thought that, uh, you know, yeah, this can work. And at every time, through every testing, they only tell the donor whether you're a match or not. So at any time, I could have said to Sue, we're not a match. Because, you know, there's these different hurdles that you have to. So if at any time I chickened out and decided I couldn't do it. You could have just said we're not a match. I could have just said we're not a match and we would have been. But... I mean, you know, for two complete strangers to at every test to come back that we were a match. I mean, how can you not? It seems kind of like fate. It does seem like fate. So do you ever ask yourself, had Bonnie not entered your life, what would have happened? Would you have gone onto the registry list and then waited your turn for a kidney? Is that what would have eventually happened? And do you know, have you any inkling of how long traditionally one waits for a kidney in this province or country? Well, back then, like 10 years ago, you waited a while, but I think more and more people now are aware of the uh, donation process, and they are giving more, from what my understanding, they are giving more organs than what they used to be, thank goodness, because I know that I would give, I'd give Bonnie my right arm if I had to. Well, you speaking know. of, Bonnie has a question for you. I'm just joking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not I so arm sure. Why your right arm? Heads up. <laughs> Sue, has this restored your faith in humanity? Absolutely. Yeah. Were you, before this experience happened, I mean, I, I know I, I know it's a black and white issue, but I mean, I have friends who I consider to be pessimists. I have friends who call themselves realists, although I would call them pessimists. And I have friends who are optimists. Were you, were you a pessimist or an optimist before all of this? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> or a realist, if you want to. Yeah, I don't know. Meaning, has it really changed? I mean, you say it's restored your faith in humanity. That's a pretty big way to put it. But has it just changed the way you feel about life, humanity, people, your outlook on life, all those things? Because you've really seen the good in people. Mm. Or do you still think people are assholes? (laughs) They are out there, believe me. There's lots of assholes out there. And your life still goes on. So you have, there are assholes in your life and there are good people in your life. You you find out in in a situation like this who your friends really are. Ah, that's interesting. Because, I mean, Bonnie and I, we see each other now and again. But when we're together, it's like we were never apart. Yeah. You know, and we pick up where we left off. And she doesn't keep going, huh, I gave you a kidney. What are you going to give me? See, because you know, I would be a total thing. bitch about it, and I would hold it over your head. Well, you know, that's, <laughs> that's also a part of the testing. Like, you see a psychiatrist, you see a psychologist, you see, um, like, you, you want to make, they want to make sure that um, I'm not doing this for money, that I'm not doing it for the, you know, greater good of mankind, that I'm not being paid. You know, like, you do... They want to know your, your motivation yeah, behind yeah, it. Yeah, And, you know, it was interesting when I went to see the psychiatrist. I'd never seen a psychiatrist before. And so I was interested to see, you know, whether I was sane or not. And um, he, he, so we talked about the whole issues, like, you know, you could die. 
And I said, I had thought about that. That was another thing that you, you know, you have to think about a lot of those things. And, and here I was married with two children. Yes, I could die. Um, but I thought, you know, at the time, it sounds so melodramatic, but I thought, uh, because I was being forced to think about it, that I had led a really good life. Uh, I had a good job. I have friends that, you know, around me that I love. I have a good family. Like, you know, if it was to end today, I've lived a good life. Do I want it to end today? No. But if it was to end today, I have I had no regrets. And I think he thought that was a pretty good answer that, you know, I thought about both sides. And but still, I mean, you know, I, I had a really positive a- attitude around the whole thing. And I think that really worked for me. I'm with Hillary, though. I would be a bitch about this completely. <laughs> my whole and thing I would is, be visiting. I would want to go and visit my kidney and yeah. say, Sue, if you are mistreating my kidney in any way, I'll be pissed. Well, then, you know, you I'm taking it back. Neither of you would have been accepted. My of course, whole thing is, yeah. I would have had a difficult time. They would have ruled you out. Right. <laughs> I would have had a difficult time. And in no way is this a reflection of you, uh, Sue or Bonnie, but How do you make that decision about who, I mean, the best outcome is you both survive. Right. Mm -hmm. But are you willing to die for somebody else to live? Like that's a, that's a big thing. Like what, what would give Sue the, the right, like maybe Sue lived a good life. I mean, certainly there is that chance. That's the worst case scenario is that, you know, both of you die or the donor dies. Um, But I honestly, I didn't think of that. I had such a positive attitude around the whole thing that I knew that, you know, this was just going to be a no brainer. It was going to be easy. And so, I mean, consequently, when I we when we went through the surgery, um, you know, I had read all the side effects, the possible side effects. I could be off work for up to three months. I had health insurance so I could go on short term disability. I mean, you have to address all of those issues. And so, you know, another Uh, When you meet with a social worker, if it's going to put you into a hardship where you don't have any money coming in, you can't pay your bills, then again, you're not accepted. It's, you know, there's a lot of things to go through. And um, I thought uh, one of the biggest side effects was going to be exhaustion and that I could be off work for three months. I was off work for, I hate to say this, but I was off work for three weeks. I took vacation and the third week, actually for two and two weeks and the third week I went back to work um, just in the morning and really, you know, I, was, I have desk jobs. So I was kind of milking that. <laughs> I could have come back to work Atta after girl. two weeks. But, you know, when I went to see my surgeon at six weeks, he said, okay, great. You're, you know, ready to go back to work. You can go back to work anytime. I said, I went back to work four weeks ago. Like, it was so easy for me. The day I was released from the hospital after the donation, I we stopped at Costco to pick up our groceries. <laughs> so, I mean, it's been... I guess, your quality I'm, of life has... I wanted to ask you about yeah, your quality no, of life and how... It has not how, changed. No big deal. No. What about alcohol? I had to ask. Oh. Let me ask you about <laughs> well, alcohol. I hope it's okay, because I do still drink alcohol. Okay, well, that's... So, nothing has changed. You just... You can... But you can't go on a crazy bender. No, yeah, you not could, that you for sure. You could. Can you? For sure you could. I'm the not just only, saying, I'm just saying. The only thing they said to me was, I can't take Advil, Advil products, and uh, muscle relaxants. I can't do anything like that. Um, and that's it. So I, I, my life hasn't changed at all. I mean, after six weeks when uh, I went back to running, I did actually take the six weeks off of running. 
and um, and then I went back to it, and everything was fine. What are the ramifications for your life insurance? Are there any? No, there's none. No. You're making a great argument for organ donation. I'm telling you. You know, at the, the time, yeah. at the time, uh, I didn't tell my parents until the end, uh, till oh, a cup about a month or so before the donation. And um, my parents were in spend their winters in Florida, so I'd gone to their house when they got back, and I gave them the literature to read. When I first told them, they they sounded pretty good. And, um, you know, I remember my husband and I driving home from Kingston that day saying, wow, they took that really well. And then the next day I got a letter, an email from my father, just a nasty, scathing email about how selfish I was and that how my husband didn't sign on to potentially take care of an invalid. I couldn't believe it. I mean, I knew he was just sending the email because it was his child. And And he's scared. He was was trying to convince you not to do it. But, you know, I just... I just deleted it. I didn't respond because I had this very positive attitude. And I said to my husband, my mother said, just will you let us know when the surgery is? Because I hadn't had my surgery date. And I said, yes, I would let them know. And then when I got the surgery date, I thought, I'm not telling them because I have this really positive attitude and I didn't need the negativity around me. And so I, I said to my husband, you tell them after it's over. Like, don't tell them before because they'll rush down here and there'll be a, a ridiculous scene. Tell them after it's over. Oh, it's like your parents and my parents are the same people. That's amazing. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, I had to do that when I got my, like, seriously less complicated surgery. I had a gastric bypass. Right. I didn't tell my parents until two weeks before that it was happening. And how did they react? Uh, I told them in an email and I said, if you can't be positive about this, I don't want to hear from you. Ah, good for you. Did you yeah. hear from them? Uh, yeah. And they were oh, fine. Awesome. I there said, I, I did all my research. I know what I'm getting into. Don't yep. look at the internet. If you start questioning things, I right. will not talk to you. Right. Yeah. Good for you. What did dad say after the fact? Uh, he, so what ended up happening was I thought I couldn't land that on my husband's lap, so I gave it to my sister to my sister to uh, deal them the the news, which she did after the surgery was over. And they came down. The surgery was in the morning, and they they were in the hospital room like that afternoon. And I think in the end, both my parents were very proud that, you know, to, after I was released from the hospital two days later, and they were living in Kingston. Two days after that, I booked a train ticket and I went and spent a few days with them in Kingston and they could see that I was fine. I mean, it was um, laparoscopy surgery. It was not, you know, the way kidney surgery was years ago where they go in through the back and remove a couple of ribs and stuff. It was none of that. It was actual laparoscopy. So, you know. Easy peasy. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's incredible. Do you have any words of advice for anyone who is thinking about organ donation, putting themselves on an organ donation registry or... Anything like that, because the just your story alone is just I mean, it doesn't feel like it's that big of a deal. You know what I mean? I mean, it's a yeah. big deal. But again, like you said, it's not the most invasive, invasive surgery mm. in the world. No. You can live without one kidney. You're going to be all right. You can still go on a bender, which is, by yeah. the way, yeah. the clincher and the cell <laughs> job for me. Not a whole lot changed in your quality of life. Right. But what words would you say to somebody who's thinking about signing an organ registry or right. or, or giving an, a donor an organ now? I mean, In my opinion, you know, I'm not particularly the religious person, but I think that, you know, God gave you two to see what you would do with the other. Uh. And so, in my opinion, you know, most people keep the other. 
in case they're self they make the selfish choice they keep the other in case they need it and i just think i did you know for me the what i did was just give it away you don't need it what are you hanging on to it for so what do you say to bonnie after that incredible gift no. after that surgery I, i'm just wondering did you guys have a moment i think you saw me when i you were i was asleep when we went into the operating room right you saw me go in yeah I did not see Sue until a day or so after. But. She took that kidney and ran with it, didn't she? She, did. she was gone, long gone. <laughs> but she looked great when I saw her. <laughs> and you're not getting no. it back. Bonnie? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah? Uh, sorry, were you about to answer, Sue? No, go ahead. No, no, you answer. <laughs> oh, I forgot the question now. <laughs> <laughs> the question was, it, my question was, did you have a moment with Sue? And I know I'm taking you back to a, a very emotional time. I can see it in your face. Yeah. What was, do you remember the first thing you said to Bonnie after all this? I said, how am I ever going to repay you? And she said, don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like she, it was nothing to, for Bonnie. And I'm, I'm, I'm blessed every day. Like I have a sister now. My yeah. sister's out in Vancouver, but I have one here, and yeah, I'd do I do anything for her. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't see each now. other all the time, but um, like Sue says, it just picks up from where, like, we're best friends, only, you know, it's mm-hmm. better, I think. Bonnie, yeah. yep. you've made this huge, uh, I wouldn't even necessarily call it a sacrifice, but you've taken no. this big risk. Right. You've decided to give of yourself for the betterment of somebody else. How does it feel to know that you are a entirely superior being to the rest of the world? <laughs> hey, wait a minute. <laughs> okay, I'm drawing the line there. Well, I think <laughs> I'm going to have to play this part back over and over again to my family. <laughs> hey, guys, you remember this part yeah, of the podcast? Yeah. Let's this play is that the back best part. <laughs> like, do you walk around going, I'm better than you, and better than you, and you're selfish, and I'm yeah. not, and... <laughs> you know, it was funny when Sandra called a couple of weeks ago. It was our nine-year... It was the... The day before our nine-year anniversary, it's shocking that it's been nine years. Like, yeah. like it's gone by in a blink. That's absolutely incredible. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm going to, for anybody who's listening right now who stayed with us till the end, uh, <laughs> listen, I'm going to put a in the podcast description ways for people to donate, uh, a link That's to right. the actual uh, registry. I'll get all that information down, and uh, I hope... I mean, I know it sounds a little hacky and cliche to say, but it, if we could get one person to sign the, yeah, the registry, the donor card, and move forward with maybe a decision they were having trouble making, I yeah. think that uh, I think our work here is done today. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, I think so, too. I want to thank you both for coming in studio. It was so nice to meet you both. And I just feel like I want to rub you both, so I feel like I'm a better person, too. And then, Hillary, Sandra, next time I see you over... Gonna, that's assault. That's not going to make you a better just, person. I, listen, I'll take what I can get, Hillary, okay? <laughs> Give her alcohol. Yeah. Oh, God, yes. Yes. You can't blame it on the alcohol. No, I can't, actually. I'm so sober. I hope nobody needs my liver, though, because that I'm not giving to anybody. <laughs> All right. Thanks again, ladies, for coming in today. Thanks a lot. Thanks Thank for you. having us. And don't forget to follow The Quick and the Dirty on social. Instagram, at Hillary on air, at Sandra Kiss 105.3. Twitter, at Hillary Welch, at Sandra Kiss 105.3. And Facebook, at Quick and Dirty Podcast. If you got a question for us, you can email us at thequickandthedirty at gmail.com.